The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, giddy up, wolf pack. Welcome to Failure to Stop. Failure to Stop is the number one podcast for police and culture. Well, your staff is also a family of podcasts starting on Monday and going all the way through to Friday. We have so many shows by now that there's something for everyone. If you haven't found something you love, then you're simply not looking hard enough. Failure to stop is geared towards first responders, but we really do have something for everyone. Tonight, this is the Comm Center with Drew Breezy, where we talk about uh, serious matters, but in a lighthearted way. Uh, we're here to talk about police officers, but also dispatchers, how they deal with life and death every day. To hear here to talk about which one might be worse is Drew Breezy. Drew, what's going on in the news and how are you? Oh, you tell me what's going on, Jonathan. You're the man in the know. I'm not the man in the know. I'm just the guy that is old and can't handle a VCR, <clears throat> as we have already established. But uh, have we got a show for you tonight? It's a, it's a case that you and I have been preparing for for months and months. It has finally come to fruition. And uh, it's a great... Uh, tale of um, of mystery. First, it's either racial profiling, or it's a miscarriage of justice by overstepping the bounds and charging a law enforcement officer with crimes that he may or may not have committed. So we're going to have a great, fun time discussion. And you know what? It involves both 911 and it involves the officer response. And that's what we aim to do here on the comm center. We aim to uh, let you be part of the problem. Uh, we want you to call in response to what we talk about tonight. Our phone number is 848-COM-911. That's 848-266-6911. If you're watching this on Blue Chew, on, Blue, on YouTube, which rhymes with Blue Chew, if you're watching us on YouTube, please look down at the bottom of the screen. You will see our phone number there. You can call that seven days a week and leave a very vile voice message for John. Please do something original other than breathing heavy as I have, as somebody has done for the past few weeks. Uh, but you can also call us live tonight and we'd love to hear from you. And uh, I, I would not uh, be uh, where I am and neither would John without someone like Micah calling to say hello so let's go to micah first why don't we do that micah are you on the phone with us yes sir oh i'm i just i love that delay i i'm such a fan of that delay thank you for being here micah how are you how is the leadership development going how are the prisons how is everything how is john's beard go uh the beard i i Need to put a one in the comments after this call. I knew it. Um, we, we were discussing. I slid in his DMs. We were discussing the beard uh, last week, actually. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a uh, slightly challenging week. So I definitely appreciate all the comments um, from the Wolf Pack. Uh, talked to Josh and a few other people directly um, with some stuff. It's been good. Um, but yeah, man, it's the, the details. We've got some situations that are going to have some serious uh, impacts on people, unfortunately, for a long time because of failure to for to pay attention to the details. And 
we had a very serious situation that was taken care of very quickly because someone uh, acted really quickly. So both both good and bad, but I'm, I'm on days now off now. So those details are so important. The devil is in the details. Uh, we've said that, you know that's been repeated over and over again, and I can't stress that enough in this profession because when you're looking for every you know when you're looking when you when you see the bigger picture it's easier to detect when something is off and it's easier to detect when uh, one of the details is out of order and that's going to save a life at some point john do you agree i mean we all leave the front door to the prison open every once in a while i left that place with as many reprimands as i did commendations so it all kind of came out in the wash i hope nobody there was actually put in danger uh that stuff could actually be scary uh, although I've been gone from the prison for a long time, I hate it when I see it in the news that uh, somebody I either know or somebody that I could have known uh, got assaulted. That stuff's always scary. I'm glad you're okay. Yes, I'm glad you're okay too, Micah. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't involved in. Uh, I wasn't involved directly in either situation. I was supervising, but uh, yeah, it's mentioned. It's funny you mentioned doors, but yeah, everybody's all right. We stayed out of the headlines, so. You know what the uh, you know what one of my aspirations is, and maybe I need to write this down somewhere and make it a goal for the next 365 days. But <clears throat> I want to develop a course where I come up with uh, dilemmas that I've faced as a as in the various levels of supervision I've been in, um, <clears throat> where you kind of have to like this is my uh, weekly reference to Dragon's Lair, where you have to kind of choose a path. And then we discuss what would happen if you chose that path. There are some, uh, I've been in some very lose-lose situations over my career, and um, th they do no good sitting up in my skull. I'd rather get them out for guys like Micah and John to use. If anybody's interested in that, please let me know if you have a scenario that you'd like to see uh, presented. I, uh, I would appreciate your input if I develop that course, or when I develop that course, should I say, um, <clears throat> if it's of use to anybody. If not, oh, well, uh, I, I, I'll take it with me when I go, John. I always felt like working in the prison was a lot more like Pac-Man rather than some silly board game, but that's just me. <laughs> All right. Dragon's Lair, for those of you who don't know. Is a, it, it, I'm sorry? No, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, Dragon's Lair, for those of you who don't know, is a video game. It cost several quarters when I was a young child. <clears throat> not just the uh, one quarter that most games cost. But uh, Dragon's Lair was, uh, it was like a very uh, bizarre and heavily animated. It was way ahead of its time. In fact, it may have been de developed by Satan himself. And what Dragon's Lair was, was a uh, cartoon, kind of like a storybook. And you chose different paths within the video game. It was so conceptually brilliant. Uh, and I was so, so conceptually horrible at it. So if you jumped, like, you know, if you're in a cave and you're falling somewhere and you, you, you like, latch on to the stalactite or stalagmite, whichever it is, on the right, then it'll take you down this other path and the, and the game changes. Or, you know, so that, that way there's no, I, I don't think there's, you could play this game the same twice. So that's where I was going with the uh, with the dilemmas and the scenarios that I was referring to. Uh, Micah, you are considered a uh, <clears throat> comm center all-star. 
we uh, will you're perhaps a starting center fielder, maybe even a midfielder. We are going to hang up on you for now because John uh, is pestering me about getting to the news, which I'm going to do. But thank Would you. Would you just get input. on with it, Drew? Get on to <laughs> thank the news. You for the input. And thank you for calling. And please uh, right. give, give a sweet little kiss on the forehead to, ba- to, uh, to most of your employees and to BabyCom as well. We'll do, guys. Guns up, giddy up. Guns up, giddy up. Okay. <clears throat> so on to the news. Speaking of, uh, okay, speaking of gust up, giddy up, we had a situation in uh, near in my neck of the woods near the uh, hometown of uh, Niagara Falls in Buffalo, New York. And <clears throat> I want to say that I'm not trying to drop these, you know, these things happen, um, but it made the news and I just want to briefly discuss what this says. Gust, here's the headline that grabbed my attention. Gust of wind blows sniper's rifle off rooftop during St. Patrick's Day parade in Buffalo. Uh, now, if you're not familiar, uh, Buffalo is uh, the seventh gate of hell, and instead of fire, it's complete ice. It's kind of like John's garage, only cold. And it's, um, I can imagine being a sniper on the roof there with the uh with the luck of the irish and the saint patty's gust of wind the the little leprechaun that comes around and kicks the rifle off a police sniper's rifle reportedly was blown off the top of a roof and plunged onto the ground uh, during a saint patrick's day parade in buffalo uh this is something that doesn't happen Uh, it can't happen nor have i ever heard of this happening buffalo police commissioner joseph gramoglia told uh the news the loaded rifle fell to the sidewalk below merely feet away from people attending the festivities at 1.45 p.m. Fortunately, the firearm did not discharge and an officer quickly retrieved the weapon. The commissioner told the uh, WGRZ that uh, a police investigation showed a severe gust of wind blew the rifle over, causing it to fall. It's not that it was uh, physically being handled. It wasn't dropped, he told the news. And photos show an officer a few steps from the rifle placed in an overwatch position for public safety. The rifle was mounted on a tripod near the edge of the roof with a weight suspended beneath it to hold it in place. If protocol was fire, uh, followed and yet that still happened, then we have to look into some other policies and procedures to make sure nothing like this ever happens again. The commissioner said they always have a SWAT presence at mass gatherings and events. In, in past years, they've kept a lower in-the-shadows profile. However, they've changed their approach during the last 18 months, having a highly visible presence in order to make people feel more secure. And part of that overwatch observation, Grimaglia says, is uh, Grimalia is that you have to look over the crowd and you have to be able to see higher elevation points. So um, I, I can say with certainty, the wind is going to blow in Buffalo and accidents do happen even in Buffalo, even though most roads lead there. John, what is your take on this uh, well, St. Patrick's Day number? All I know is, is they better have written a plenty of misdemeanor tickets because if it's really that windy and you're at a St. Patrick's Day parade, there's plenty of people down there wearing kilts and they're wearing it in the traditional fashion. And if it's gusty enough to blow a rifle off a building, there had to have been a whole lot of wieners hanging out down on the streets. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> I, I believe that's the Scottish tradition that uh, a, a, a fine Scotsman doesn't reveal what's under the kilt. 
Maybe some it's of a our neighbors toss down there, Drew. <laughs> maybe, maybe some of our neighbors to the north can confirm that. Speaking of which, our neighbors to the north. Is there anything that you have to say to anybody, John? The neighbors oh, I to have the to north. Issue a statement. Okay. Um, all right. So, <laughs> over the past several weeks, I have been given basically um, the silent treatment, stone cold silent treatment by our friends up in Canada. I'm talking, of course, about 10-7 Canoe, 10-7 Canoe, and not 10-7 Canoe, and possibly like one or two other guys up there. The number of Canadians up there was um, was never clear. We haven't gotten a voicemail from them in like two weeks. Guys, if you're listening in Canada, uh, whether that's uh, Newfoundland, which is a beautiful country, God's country, or you're way out in British Columbia, also, God lives there. Please just give us a call to let us know that you're alive and well and that you still love Com Center. I'm very sorry for the comments that I made that were very rude. I should never compare anyone to Alabama. And I would like to just apologize to Maple Leaves and Tim Hortons and uh, all the Canadian stuff. I'm sorry, guys. All of our best friends are way up north. Please love us again. I love you. Thank you for that Uh seemingly heartfelt apology. As you know, I have a special place in my heart for our neighbors to the north, our Canadian friends, <clears throat> especially since I like hockey so much. I'm missing, uh, in, in the Tampa Bay Lightning, by the way, who were dominant for the past few years, are, uh, tend to play games on Thursday nights. So, um, you know, uh, here we are, and we're missing another Lightning game. I believe they're playing Ottawa tonight, which is also in Canada. So, that's probably why they haven't called. But uh, thank you, John, for correcting the record, because up until this point, I, I, I firmly believe that we had Canada on lockdown. I think we were the, great, the, the finest. I think it was like Rogan, maybe Jordan Peterson, because he's Canadian, and then ComCenter were the top three podcasts in Canada. But um, <clears throat> just judging, and I'm just judging by our voicemails, but, um, you know, uh, things were said um and things weren't said and that's kind of where uh we are now listen uh, canada we're happy that you live in our attic we just want you to call into the show we love you <laughs> uh right and and nobody from canada is trying to slip across the northern border by the way uh the next story florida man florida man arrested Good. after drew what? breezy also a florida man i am definitely a florida man uh, Florida man arrested after slapping woman with slice of pizza, deputies say. Uh, Ortelio Lazaro Alfonso admitted to hitting uh, hitting the victim with the pizza. This occurred in Marion County. He's 39 years old. He faces domestic violence charges after deputies said he struck a woman in the face with a slice of pizza. Deputies said they responded to the residents uh, on, uh, on, of all days, March 17th, which is what, John? It's two days after St. Patrick's Day. Right, Thank sorry, you. Yeah. According to a probable cause, this is probably about the time the rifle blew off the roof. According to a probable cause affidavit, responding deputies made contact with uh, Alfonso, who said he had a verbal altercation with the victim. Deputies said that when they spoke to the victim, she told them she had been struck in the face with a slice of pizza after an altercation over disciplining. The victim told deputies Alfonso became angry after she disciplined someone at the residence on his bottom area. She then advised deputies that Alfonso got in her face and pointed, but did not strike her at that time. 
Uh, also, according to the affidavit, he then grabbed a slice of pizza and slapped the victim on the left side of the face with it. Deputy said the victim had pizza sauce on the front of her shirt, on the collar of her shirt, and on the back of her shirt. She also had pizza remnants, which uh, I don't know, maybe the black olives or whatever, in her hair and ear area. According to the report, deputies also noticed pizza sauce on the walls and ceiling of the interior of the residence, according to the report. There is no way of knowing that if that is fresh sauce, but he was placed under arrest for simple battery domestic violence and transported to the Marion County Jail. John, have you ever been smacked with a slice of pizza? It happened once, but it was a gust of wind, so I just forgave the guy. Um, I'm wondering if the number of toppings is going to be any kind of aggravating factor in sentencing. Obviously, being hit by a cheese pizza, being hit by a supreme pizza, as TJR has just stolen my joke in the comments, is a quite entirely different matter of fact. And so I guess uh, hopefully they do a, a pristine job of gathering evidence at the scene. I hope, uh, I hope they do too, but uh, only time will tell on this one. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know what? That guy probably just needed a good night's sleep. And to get a good night's sleep, he probably needed what, John? A ghost bed. I'll, I'll say it for you. We love ghost bed. They've been a loyal sponsor since day one. All of our fans just rave about them. They have a super comfortable mattresses that last forever. And they are made in the country south of Canada. The good old USA. Every mattress has a 20-year warranty. You can try it out for 101 nights. But who messes with that garbage? Because you're going to be so happy. And unlike my friend John, your back will thank you. If you don't like it, you can send it back. There are no hard feelings in this whole situation. It's just business and sleep. Very sound sleep. One of our favorite parts about GhostBed is that each mattress has cooling technology in it. So if you get hot at night like we do here in Florida... These things are certainly a life save. GhostBed also offers bundles so you can get everything you need. You don't need to really have to think about it. You just choose from their four mattresses and then pick your bundle. So whether you just need a mattress and a frame or you want it all, like their cooling pillow, pillows and sheets, you can get the best bang for your buck. So do yourself a favor. Right now, GhostBed's offering a sale. You go to uh, GhostBed and, and look for those bundles. You can get 35% off. I said that right, John, and I know you're questioning it as we speak, but you can get 35% off if you use the code WOLFPACK. Oh, I'm sorry. If you use the code, if you use the code WOLFPACK, WOLFPACK at uh, ghostbed.com slash WOLFPACK. Do that. Uh, there is, uh, you can buy a mattress for like 35 bucks a month. They have a zero down, zero, zero percent financing plan. Uh, if you have uh, Clayton, Florida North Carolina credit. credit, go to com slash Wolfpack. Check it out. David J., our favorite, or David, our Davey, who's still in the Navy, uh, one of our VIPs, in my opinion, uh, just saw a, uh, I believe, a stand or some type of, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, a demonstration, a demo model at the local Costco somewhere in Southern California. I don't want to give away his position. Uh, GPS does that. But uh, uh, I don't know if he tried it out. I don't know if he bought it. But if he had gone to the website and just put in the code Wolfpack, he'd save 35%. I'm urging you to do the same. John, we are going to go through so much tonight, you and I. We're going to yeah, – we have, uh, we have to do? 
we do have a voicemail and uh i there's a a few flapjacks involved never mind Uh, we're good uh we almost called flapjacks prematurely i was gonna read Uh, the ghost pet ad again yeah well we could always do that i can always just start that stupid countdown as well this is a prepaid call from 10 an inmate at the county correctional facility all phone calls are subject to recording and monitoring to decline this call press nine now and to accept this call press one now thank you your call has been accepted we here at the comp center will never turn away your collect call we here at the comp center between john and i will put money on your canteen if you're arrested uh, we know, just need to know. Yeah, about it. I want to support him emotionally, but honestly, like, I'm just glad that he finally got what was coming to him. That his reign of terror has finally come to a an end, a bloody end. But at least he's behind bars where where he can't hurt anyone else. I'm glad. Ten six, you had this coming, and I uh, hope uh, if you need help posting bond, you let me know so we can get you back out loose in society as fast <laughs> as possible. <laughs> um. How about this? Uh, we'll get into the story here. I really want to give a full, um, comprehensive um, story about actually what happened. But I have uh, look. Look, we'll just we're going to go to the, the the one that I got here. Um, this is essentially a quick breakdown for those of you at home listening or watching in Pierce County, Washington. There was, uh, there is currently a, a sheriff. His name is Ed Troyer. He's been in law enforcement for I think 38 years, something like that. Um, he was like an under sheriff for uh, several years. Then his mentor retired. He became the sheriff himself. He was elected a couple years ago. And as you know, uh, the the Pacific Northwest is kind of a hotbed for um, very watchful eyes amongst law enforcement. Uh, within, not within, uh, there, there, there are a lot of eyes on law enforcement. And, um, so what happened one night was the sheriff was in his home and, um, noticed a car creeping around the neighborhood. So he went outside to check it, to see what was going on. And, uh, he observed this car driving up and down the street with its headlights out. It was going into different driveways. So uh, he jumped into his personal car and he followed this vehicle. And uh, at some point there was a confrontation between the driver of the other car and the sheriff. And the driver of the other car was a black male. And instantly the black male began to uh, say, the only reason that you're following me is because you're a black male. And he identified him as the sheriff. He knows, he said, I know you're a cop. So he knew he was being followed by, quote, a cop. And he immediately went to this black male. I'm, I'm a black male. And that's the only reason you're stopping me or the only reason. So what essentially what happened was, and this is where the story gets a little hazy, but the sheriff said that during that conversation, the guy said that he would take him out. The guy said that that I'm going to take you out. That's what the sheriff said to. That's what the sheriff said. The driver said. The sheriff called a non-emergency like uh, John in in your communication center. 
do you have kind of like a law enforcement only line so that you know cops on the street or or firefighters or whatever can get an admin get something done quickly without having to sit and wait on a non-emergency line they do because of the way that it used to work where all the independent cities in my county all had an individual phone number for their police department when we uh went to an integrated 911 system back in the 90s. All those phone numbers ended up ringing into the same place. So now there's all these phone numbers that still exist, but don't really get advertised to the public. So yeah, they'll use those sometimes. Where I work, we have uh, a a non-recorded line um, that is used, it, it rings right at the supervisor's desk. Um, it, it, it has so many uses and it's not, look, Everybody uses it. I mean, cops, there are administrative lines that you call that the public doesn't have access to. Because when you work in an agency the size of the one that I worked in, you know, there's 3,500 employees. There's about, I don't know, 1,500, give or take, on the street. Um, Obviously not all at once, but there's five different districts going on. There's a lot of stuff going on, even on the midnight shift. So you don't want to sit and wait on the non-emergency line, especially if it's a call request to like, hey, patch me through to this other phone number or, hey, can you do me a favor and get EMS rolling to this thing, you know, and they don't want to get on the radio and say it. So there are these administrative lines. So the sheriff called this administrative line. Curiously, the media out there keeps calling it a backdoor 911. They, They continually over and over keep calling this the backdoor 911 because they certainly want to paint the picture that he called an emergency line. And this is simply not true. So what happened was the sheriff called. We're going to play the phone call itself. In fact, let's do that. Let me find the phone call. Let's play exactly what the sheriff said so you can hear. But essentially what happens is there was an, there was uh, the the call was put into the system by one, uh, one person. And essentially they took what the sheriff said and and morphed it into the sheriff is at his personal residence and he's being threatened. His life is being threatened. The sheriff specifically asked for something on the phone call. You're going to hear it in a second. Uh, What naturally happened was there was an overwhelming police response and that got a lot of attention naturally. So let's listen to what uh, the sheriff had to say as soon as I can find it. All right, here we go. Radio. Hey, it's Troyer. Okay, right off the bat, I'm going to stop it. Notice he answers the phone radio, or, you know, he doesn't say 911, what's your emergency, or, um, you know, Bay Area 911 Center, can I help you? Or he says radio, because it's a familiar line that people use. Okay, just bear that in mind. Radio. Hey, it's Troyer. What can I do for you? I'm at 27th and Deidre in Tacoma in North End, about two blocks from my house, and I caught some in my driveway who just threatened to kill me, and they blocked him in. He's here right now. Okay. Go again with your address. But, well, my address is... Okay. And he's in some sort of gray car, and in my driveway, in my neighbor's driveway, and he knows who I am, and he threatened to kill me, and I got him blocked in at 27th. Okay. I think his okay. plate is 
I really need just one or two people here first. Absolutely. Uh, I'm getting the call uh, right now. Hang on. He's not going to let me leave. Okay. Does he have a gun or anything? I have no idea. He looks homeless in his car, but he was in my driveway, and I got my car, and he was in my neighbor's driveway and tried to get my garage. Okay. Yeah, and so I got him blocked in. I'm in a white Tahoe. Okay. My own personal white Tahoe. He's taking pictures and video on me. Okay. I've got units headed your way. I just need one or two to equip. He was in my neighbor's houses and climbing. Sorry, but. No, you're good. On. I, I think they found me. All right. Okay, stay on the phone with me, though, okay? Just yeah, so I can I make sure. I don't, I don't want okay. to hang up. I'm trying to back up and let him go, but he blocked me. Okay. And what kind of car is he in? Um, I don't know. Some sort of beat up, charcoal, homeless okay. looking Sion. I gave you the plate number. Yeah, yeah. Black man, black man. I'd be polite to him, and he just says I'm a racist and wants to kill me, so. Okay. I don't want anything other than him to let me, just let me go home, which is two right. blocks away, which I just came out of my house. Anybody else with him, Chief? No. No. I'm not mad at him or anything, but he is. Okay. I, he, I think he might have one of those garage door openers because he pulled into four or five different houses around my neighborhood and tried to hit the garage door opener button. Yeah. My house is, I'm doing a remodel, so there's so much room, and the, there's no room in the driveway, so he tried it everywhere else. So he's looking okay. for me. Okay. I'm still here. I'm backing up. He's pushing against my car, so I'm just backing up. 27 okay. okay, they should be there shortly, too. Deidre? Deidre? So weird. It's like one of those like stare downs. He's just staring at me with headlights on. And, okay. Uh, I'm glad we're a couple blocks from my house. My wife says they killed me for all this. All right. Yikes. Do you hear yeah, the uh, officers? Um, no, I don't hear anything. Don't hear a okay. road off pointing off in this view, two blocks above my house. Okay. No. He's taking video and pictures of me. It's just him alone. It's so weird. Okay. <sighs> Did he give you his name or anything? No, he just no, he just said that he he. he, he I was home and saw the lights coming in on out and everything. I looked and he was like pulling in all the driveways. And I thought maybe it was one of those guys that's like kind of a thief that has a garage door opener. Yeah. And you know, so I went out and followed him and he blocked me off and accosted me and said, You're a cop. And he started threatening me, which is not a big deal, but it's part of our well, deal now, right? Apparently. So yeah. And he literally blocked me in. And crazy. here comes the first guy. Okay. Go right behind me. Okay, good. Yeah, so the first cop is right there. Yeah. So, okay. Okay, well, if they're well with you, I'll let you go, okay? Thank you. Come with you. You betcha. Okay, great. Right. Thank you. Okay, so he ends with thank you, Tacoma's here, meaning the Tacoma Police Department is here. And we have the full body cam. Now,
Um, <clears throat> I just have a few questions, and, and all of this is in hindsight, of course. But did the sheriff seem excited? No, I think he was. Uh, he wanted the engagement to end. At one point, he said, "Like I'm trying to let him leave, and he's blocking me in." The guy obviously knew who he was. You know, he's an elected official, and it seemed like he was trying to pick a fight. I wasn't there, but that's just how it sounded. Okay, right. One. Um, <clears throat> now, l l let me say this. Um, I was. I, I loved patrolling at night when I was a young deputy. I loved patrolling at night as a young supervisor, and I pretty much ended my career uh, towards the end of my career. After I left the comp center, I went back out to, onto the midnight shift and I loved every second of that because it's easy to detect the stimulus, the, the change in the environment. So if you by pattern patrol an area uh, and I had a whole district to patrol because, you know, that, that was my responsibility. Obviously there was a bunch of deputies out there, you know, that had their, areas to to manage but um i would drive in certain areas especially when i was led by the detective areas or you know where are we getting hit with the burglaries and blah blah and it's sometimes very easy to detect when something's out of place or when something's changed and if you've been through the area a million times and <clears throat> i don't think it's out of the ordinary by one <clears throat> for for any reason whatsoever when you, I think it's very reasonable that when you look out your window and you see a car driving up and down the road with the lights out, you probably want to investigate whether you're the sheriff or uh, a day one patrol officer. Reasonable anybody... suspicion. It's good enough to go. It's all you need. It is. Now, I will, th I will tell you the other side of the coin. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times my adrenaline has spiked or how many, quote, burglars, end quote, I have caught in the process of uh, breaking into cars only to find out they were the newspaper delivery guy because that's when they come out. They come out at the witching hour of burglaries, like three, four, five o'clock in the morning. That's when they pick up the, uh, the, the newspapers, the, the overnight newspapers that are, you know, my dad was a pressman uh, back home and uh, he would work until the wee hours of the morning. They'd get the, the papers out and then the newspaper delivery people would have that. So you would have your morning paper on your doorstep by 6 a.m. So that gets delivered at four, three, four, and five o'clock in the morning. And a lot of times those guys are driving up and down the street, creeping around, uh, and you don't know what they're doing and you don't know what their intentions are. And that's what we had here. We had a guy who was simply delivering the newspaper, but nobody knew that. As a matter of fact, if you'll notice, the sheriff didn't mention that in his phone call because the guy never told him that. The only time they found out about that is after the officers arrived. So the reason for me asking if, if he seemed startled or if he's if he's over dramatic um i mean is that your take like you, you've heard plenty of 911 you've heard pl plenty of alarmed people calling uh, what did this sheriff sound like to you like i said just pretty calm wanted to defuse the situation uh wanted police officers there to handle it you know if his beef with the sheriff is personal the best thing to do particularly since you're already in tacoma pd's jurisdiction have those guys come in and deal with it. You know, you're the sheriff, you're an elected official, but you're still a private citizen. Call the police, have them come deal with it. That way it's you not are. on you. Right. Um, now, two things to, to ponder for, for the general public. 
one, <clears throat> we had a, a, a standard operating procedure in the agency where I worked where you did not intervene in neighborhood situations. Now, I, I think this is a little bit more immediate. This is an exigent kind of thing where you think you have a burglar and he just followed from a safe distance and made the phone call once he was confronted. So he, he, he made it very clear in several interviews or whichever investigation he was involved in, he was not armed. He, he just jumped in his private car, personal car, and started following this guy to try to get a tag and be a good witness, essentially. And the guy recognized him as a cop. And the, the minute he recognized him as a cop, this became a racial profiling situation simply because the driver's black and he's able to make that connection. The, the sheriff specifically said, I didn't know if it was a man or a woman, let alone a, a black man or a black woman. And from one of the investigations that I read, I don't know the truthfulness of this, but apparently uh, this guy said, you just, you're just following me because I'm black. And the sheriff's retort was, I have several black friends and a black grandbaby. In fact, a lot of people think my wife is black, and I don't think they would be very happy with you saying that. That was supposedly his response. How this got twisted by the letter by the uh, newspaper carrier was that he only asked him three questions: "Are you a cop? Are you following me because I'm black?" And then I can't even remember what the third third question was. So one thing leads to another. We'll, we'll show the the response here in a second. The bottom line is this: um, when you, as a dispatcher, John, get uh, it, it, because let's let's I always had this. Uh, thought, if you're a criminal or somebody that I've dealt with in the past and you show up at my house, do you, I mean, I don't think that you're there to thank me. No. And when you're the sheriff and someone shows up at your house and they know you, there's, there's a bit of a heightened threat. I mean, certainly for any line police officer, but like I said, the sheriff is an elected official. And that means to somebody somewhere in that County, he's a controversial figure, whether he deserves to be or not. And so, you know, if you're an elected official or, you know, certainly the administrative leave of an entire department, very well that people could have it out for you simply because of what your deputies are doing. So like if I was in the dispatch office and my sheriff called me and said there was somebody at his house, my my response would be probably pretty elevated. And of course, I I don't feel good about burglaries in the middle of the night anytime they happen or uh, confrontations such as these. But, you know, with the sheriff, you know, you, you, he's your boss, number one. You want to protect your own like you would any other police officer, but you do worry about him. You worry that somebody's coming after him. And as a dispatcher, it's your job to protect him. And we'll kind of see how some of that worry comes into play here. So we have discussed in the past coding the calls properly. And I, I think there's may have been a no pun intended miscommunication into what exactly happened because the sheriff made a fle the fleeting comment that the guy's threatening my life and I had him blocked in. So when you put that in writing, this is the old argument over text, right? That that somebody can say something completely innocuous, but you can read it in their tone over text, and you're like, oh shit, they just took a shot at me. So when somebody says the sheriff is in danger and somebody is at his house threatening his life, don't you think that the cavalry is going to respond regardless of the number of people you put on that call? That's that's just my question. I mean, it, it, maybe it's not protocol anywhere, but I, um, 
you know, do you have an opinion either way on that? Yeah. If Well, I, let's suppose you handled it this way. Let's suppose you were handling it discreetly. You put it out on the radio that there is an unknown trouble call and you gave the address and uh, the good sheriff's deputies are going to know where the sheriff lives. And they hear that, you know, all of a sudden you're, they're going to they're going to start going code, even if you have no detail, just because of the location. They don't want they don't want to be something wrong with the sheriff's wife, the sheriff's family or the sheriff himself. They're all going to respond hot to that. And they're also all going to get on the phone and talk to each other like, hey, did you hear that call? Do you know what address that is? That's the sheriff's house. And they're all going to invite each other to the party as well. Right. Um, <clears throat> just from the 10,000 foot view, I, I discussed last week that, you know, when the RNC came to town here in Tampa, my my job was to protect the sheriff of Hillsborough County. I was like his dignitary protective detail. And I approached it as such, like, no, he's not uh, Mitt Romney or no, he's not whoever was running for president at the time. But we're hosting this party in Hillsborough County, though, you know, it was in Tampa proper. They had a majority of they had the lion's share of the work. We're hosting this party in, in Tampa, Florida. So the world is watching. And if we can't even protect the guy who's in charge of protection for the entire county, then we're all screwed, right? So I, I'm saying the sheriff should not maybe, maybe shouldn't expect a different level of, uh, of security or shouldn't expect, but if you're a cop on the street, you better put lend some credence to this. If, if this is your chief of police or if this is your uh, sheriff, Whoever that criminal is or whoever that person is that's knocking on the door that they don't know, they're taking a shot at you by proxy. They're, they're trying to take the leader of your agency out. And until you can prove otherwise, you should probably treat it that way. Not from a use of force standpoint, of course, but when you get the call that somebody, something funky is going on. And, and I'm telling you, I have, I wish I could go into this whole story about what I, what I did one night on the midnight shift outside of one of our majors houses. Um, and, and just the way the, the, the courts flippantly, you know, treated it. Um, it, it's, a, it's a book in and of itself. <clears throat> I, and by the way, I'll, I will tell you in my position, you know, as a detective in the criminal intelligence section, we used to get uh, high profile cases or dignitary protective type details and stuff. And if a judge, God forbid, I, I once was wrapped up in an investigation uh, for a month or so to include bodyguarding a judge who received cookies on her doorstep on Valentine's Day. So I, I don't want to hear anything about the judicial people not pulling the fire alarm or uh, I, I've seen it enough. Like, and I get it. I, I totally get it. It just seems like if anybody else does it, they're a little bit harder on them for doing it. And until it happens to you, you just you don't care about anybody else. So what the sheriff did was he made a phone call. It wasn't a frantic phone call. He didn't say send me the cavalry. He didn't say any of that. He just said this is what happened. In fact, he went out of his way to say, send me one, one or two, two cars. cars. Yep, just a couple and, guys. And they put the call in the system, and it went to another dispatcher, and another dispatcher was like, oh, my God, somebody's at the sheriff's house. And at some point, there were 40 cars, apparently, on the way to this thing. Now, I, I mean, I don't know how they counted that, but 
uh, once once the uh, initial officers arrived, though, they saw what was going on, and they t- they de-escalated the whole thing. As in, whoa, 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 whoa! We don't need all of this. Just one or two more. That's it. We're good. Let's listen to some of the testimony here. Oh, to tell you that there's testimony is giving you uh, is skipping a major part of the story. What eventually happened was this guy made such a big deal of being racially profiled that Governor Jay Inslee of Washington had his attorney general do an investigation. They did a month-long investigation, and they charged the sheriff with two misdemeanors for filing or calling uh, a, a, a false report of a crime to a public official. Don't quote me on the charge. Um, but essentially, he was charged with two counts, two misdemeanors for that. For making that phone call and for having people respond because there was a prowler in his neighborhood. So he was charged and it went through months and months and months and months of trial. Here's some of that trial. His car. Uh, At some point, the gentleman stopped his vehicle and got out of his car where he confronted Mr. Troyer. Um, He began yelling and cussing at him. More than 40 units from different jurisdictions responded, but the call was eventually downgraded as officers learned more information. With dispatch notified, only one unit needed to continue. During testimony from the 911 dispatcher who initially put out the urgent call, Troyer's life may be in danger, defense attorneys for Troyer highlighted possible issues with how the initial call was handled. Sheriff Troyer never called 911, did he? No. Okay. He called in. That is a dispatcher testifying. Inside line, didn't he? Correct. So that's not for emergencies involving officers who need help, is it? Officers use that line for that, yes. The dispatcher becoming emotional at one point during testimony as the defense questioned her about a negative performance review regarding this case. It's not based on any other incident or call, is it? It's certainly not based on how I handled the call. I handled the call appropriately. The officer needs help call type is what is initially put into the computer. Right. Do you need a minute? Here's heard from one of the responding officers who was first on scene the night Troyer called for help. Some of those officers. So, John, um, you heard her tearful testimony. They were they were kind of putting her through the ringer. That was the defense, by the way, that was asking her questions. She was disciplined for something. Um, and she was setting the record straight. She's saying, no, I was not disciplined for how I handled the call. I handled that call correctly. And I'm glad she stood her ground. I mean, you know, they're essentially calling her to the stand in the defense of the sheriff to say, he didn't call 911. I'm the one that sent the cavalry because that's the information that I had. Yeah, it's, uh, first of all, I just... No 911 dispatcher likes going to court. Anytime we have to be there, it's it's almost implied that you know that something went wrong uh, because as a 911 dispatcher, you just don't normally go to court unless you're like just there to introduce a recording that might be a matter of fact of evidence. But uh, you'll also note uh, if you're not if you're just listening, okay. So we when the sheriff called that phone line earlier, he was talking to a guy. So that was someone else in the comm center. The female you just heard on the stand was the dispatcher who sent the units. She also described the call for service type as officer needs help. 
So what happens is you had this call taker open a call for service on his computer, meaning he started essentially a new case file. He typed in the address and uh, he put the call type as officer needs help. Now, anyone seeing that in their mobile data terminal is also going to automatically dispatch themselves. I, I don't know how many units she said to go, but you have to remember other people see that and they want to be a part of that too. They want Part of it is that they genuinely want to help, but it's kind of an opportunity to be there on what could potentially be a major case or a serious case, and they want to show their best effort for that. But somewhere along the line between the call taker, uh, hearing that uh, only one or two units are needed on what should have been a suspicious call, suspicion call, disorderly conduct call, or some other kind of more minor call, it got you know put up as uh, you know officer in danger. And of course, other, other cues in the call uh, saying that, you know, this guy threatened me, he knows who I am. He's, he threatened kind of some kind of physical harm. You could call that officer in danger. So what do you do? Well, we've talked about on the show plenty of times where if there's any doubt, you resolve all doubt in your favor. I'm not in this situation, but on the outside looking in and, you know, again, not being an expert on this case because it only came to my attention recently, I would do the same thing. If we had a sheriff, my sheriff, and he told me that he was in some kind of confrontation and he needed help, even if he said he only needed one or two cars, I'm probably going to send more than that. Would I, you know, tone it out on the state channel, you know, uh, 1099 officer in trouble? Probably not. Cavalry probably wouldn't show up, but there would be more units there than I would I would put out. Now, that obviously is better than undertyping and saying, well, it's just, you know, it's a, <laughs> a traffic hazard because the vehicle's blocking the other vehicle. And uh, it takes a, a police officer from Tacoma, you know, 20, 30 minutes to get there. So here's a case of overtyping where it ends up becoming a matter of uh, legal discourse in a court. So I feel bad for her. You know, she got upset and I, I think anybody would in her situation. And, and I, I hope she wasn't disciplined for that because, frankly, I do the same thing. Yeah, a, a few things. I, I don't know if she even works in the same center as the guy who took the call. So. Um, I, it's my understanding that she does not, but I, I could be completely wrong. One and two, <clears throat> she's, you can see her frustration because nobody really understands what the comm center does. Nobody really understands what dispatchers do or go through and nobody bothers to ask. And she's, that, that's frustration pouring out of her eyes as in, listen, the only information I have is that this sheriff is in danger that there's somebody at his house threatening his life. What do you want me to do with that information? Just sit on it, pretend like it's not there, excuse myself, go to the restroom, make a sandwich and come back, sit down and reevaluate it. Or do I just err on the side of caution and deal with this uh, pit bull fight that's going on in my stomach right now because I can't see what's happening and I have no clue what's happening. Like I, I can feel her frustration. I can feel that she's trying to explain to the world she didn't do anything wrong. She, she in fact, she's giving you the exact same. She's giving him the exact same service that she would give any citizen. And. The, the, the people that work in 911 or the people that are on the radio don't know. They don't have the visuals of what's going on. Everybody has the benefit of hindsight, and they don't. And, and, and John, you know, your, your testament to this, you just, you don't know what's happening out there. So, yeah, you're going to pour uh, whatever you can uh, resource-wise. Yeah, just assuming the worst. And uh, you, you talk about a pit bull fight in your stomach. 
you're wondering what to do. Well, if I underreact to this, what could happen? Well, someone's threatened the sheriff's life, in my view. With If that's the only information you have, sheriff could die. So, like, that's one pit bull in there. And the other one's like, well, you know, I I don't want to overreact. I don't want to look like an overreactor. Well, so what? What? whatever you look like. Sometimes you're willing to do things in that moment where you're like, I'm going to err on the side of caution. I'm going to err on the side of safety. And at least if I do the stupid thing, I do something dumb, I can say why I did it. And she can articulate that, you know? So a whole bunch of police officers showed up. Some of them were laughing about it later. Some of them left the scene. Some of them said it was no big deal. And if she gets dinged for that, she's like, well, at least I acted in the best interest of my sheriff. And I'm not ashamed of that. Speaking of which. Even joking about the situation afterward. Tacoma police detective Chad Lawless on the stand for several hours today. He was one of the first officers who responded to the urgent call Pierce County Sheriff Ed Troyer needed help. Several officers arrived on scene in minutes asking Troyer what happened. Did he threaten you or did you see him armed with any weapons? And again, he said no, but he also said it was clear that he wanted to fight. The defense on cross-examination asking about any possible discrepancies in the report Lawless wrote on the incident compared to his testimony today and previous depositions on this. I asked him if he was threatened and he said no. My question is, isn't it possible there was a miscommunication between the two of you? I didn't misunderstand him. Alzheimer later returned to throw a newspaper in Troyer's driveway and Lawless was called back to Troyer's home. I thought it was not really relevant to anything. I thought that it was a little bit ridiculous that the sheriff would again call and say this. He didn't articulate any crimes or any violence. Troyer's defense attorneys pointing out some of the officers joked about the situation afterwards. Isn't it true that after this incident, you and Sergeant Storick laughed about it, right? Laughed about throwing the newspaper? Yes. Yeah, Sergeant Storick is my friend and I, yeah, we did laugh about it yes troyer's wife also taking the stand late in the day tired of it all i want it to be over tired of it all what do you mean by it all just everything that's going on okay so <clears throat> a couple things one i'm not impressed with that detective i'm not impressed with the sergeant uh, with their demeanor and their jokes about it. I, I get it. I mean, I've been there, and I don't know this sheriff, and I don't know those det- the detective and the sergeant. I, I don't know anything about him. I could tell you this, though. Um, this was a pretty serious situation. I don't think he overstepped his bounds. And as a matter of fact, if you were inconvenienced because the sheriff called you back, because what happened was they identified this guy as a newspaper carrier, so again, the hindsight has now made the picture very clear. And a few hours later, this guy returned to the sheriff's house and threw a newspaper in his yard and started screaming and ranting and raving. So now, when you think about that, who has the pattern of, <laughs> of harassment? Like, he knows where the sheriff lives now, obviously. He has come back to harass the sheriff by throwing a newspaper. And by the way, the sheriff didn't subscribe to the newspaper, so there was no need for him to be there. And the detective was called out there, and yeah, he was inconvenienced, and yeah, he thought it was you know just like, oh, big baby, call me back, because big bad man threw a newspaper in your yard. Well, guess what? The sheriff got charged with two misdemeanors 
by the attorney general. That's how important, and we get back to Micah's call, the details are. Because what he's saying in his report is the sheriff was not did not say he was threatened. What the sheriff says happened was I didn't I never denied I was threatened. I just said I didn't feel threatened. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference, especially when you're trying to prove the elements beyond a reasonable doubt that the sheriff made a false 911 call and that he was never actually threatened. He was. He said it in the 911 call. He he had a confrontation with this guy. He wasn't saying, everyone come here and arrest this guy. I want to abuse my authority. He wasn't doing any of that. So what what is your take? To put it in layman's terms, okay, so threatening someone is a crime, but it doesn't only count if you are actually worried about the guy. Like, you don't get to just say, well, this is a crime because I'm actually afraid of him. Like, the sheriff has probably handled, you know, bigger issues than this. And yes, the newspaper being thrown a couple hours later, it's an implied thing. And all, all it was saying was, is, I know where you live and I came back and, you know, I'll go where I want to go. And, you know, ultimately it's just kind of an F you for that whole thing that happened earlier. But of course, you know, the sheriff doesn't have to be threatened by that in order to be inherently threatened. And like you said earlier with the judges on the cupcakes, like that was nominally a nice thing that wound up getting that judge a protective detail. This guy is obviously getting a newspaper, which no one has any use for. So uh, quick shout out in our super chats uh, showing up big time tonight, David with a hundred dollars. April with forty nine ninety nine and Chief Keith with twenty. We appreciate all you guys. Um, Drew, uh, you know what? What would you have done from there? Did you, you know, this guy comes back and throws something in your yard? I take it he didn't call again. And so, how did the misdemeanors come about? Like, what did they, we ever find out which misdemeanors there were? I know that one was um, filing false report, but did we ever find out the other misdemeanor? Yeah, that's why I say the de- the details are so important because they're saying that he was never threatened. And and as a matter of fact, that detective that you just saw the smart ass that was on the stand is saying, "No, he he in fact he went out of his way to tell me he wasn't threatened." Which which when you take that in totality, if he calls and says he's threatened, you have now made this false report. There is a difference. There it, in I, I don't care if it's semantics or not. The threat occurred. He just didn't feel threatened by it. And what they're saying is the threat never occurred, that it's this guy's word against the sheriff's word. You know, the 28-year or 38-year lawman uh, who used to be the public information officer for that agency and, you know, has done millions of things. And, and by all rights, for all you cop watchers out there, uh, could have taken matters into his own hands and could have held him at gunpoint. And this could have been a, an Ahmad Arbery case, but that's what, that's what this newspaper delivery guy wanted it to be because I'm going to play you just like the first two or three minutes of the body cam. You tell me if, if he was of um, like kind of, you tell me who is amplifying things um, as soon as I can find it, obviously. Here we go. One, two, three. Zero two five, boy, William, boy, five, eight, seven, two. Hey, keep your hands where we can see them. Hands on the steering wheel. Is that what you're coming over here for? Yeah, that's why we're coming over here, okay? I'm, a, I'm suspicious, huh? No, because he called saying I that... I don't care what 
what he calls okay. for. He's following me. Okay, we'll figure Don't everything out. talk to him. I don't we will... need you to figure out nothing. I am working. We will figure out. I everything. am working. Okay. I'm a black male in a white neighborhood, and I'm working. That has nothing to do with that. Yeah, it okay? does. No. He's following me. Okay. He's getting out of the way, okay? Okay, he's still following me. We will figure that out. If... Yeah, get the fuck away from me. I don't care how many cops show up. He's following me. Explained to me. I'm being followed. Okay. He called the cops. Congratulations. Yes. yes. I'm coming to and from a house. Ooh, he's committing a crime. He's black. No one's saying He's black. Okay. He's black. I'm gonna explain. Oh. I'm gonna explain. I'm why doing we're my here. fucking okay. paper route. Okay, I understand that. I see all the papers in your car. Yeah, okay? congratulations. He just called saying that someone threatened his life. That's why we're here, okay? Yeah, I threatened his life so, because I walked up to him and asked him why step, he's following me. You're not under arrest. Can you step out of the I car? I don't need to be under arrest. I don't. That's dumb. Appreciate it. You're going to okay. arrest no, me? No, I'm not going to arrest Come sit right here, okay? Look, I'm sit working. On, sit on the bunker. You got any weapons on you? No, I don't got shit on me. I'm at work. We're gonna just patch it. Okay. Gosh. All I right. got a fucking knife in my car. That's fine. I don't care about what's in your car. To cut my straps on my newspaper. I, okay. <laughs> nothing. We, we don't need nothing. Yeah. All right. I, I, I'm gonna. I'll tell you this. I see where the guy's head is. Um. And and though it may be, it should never be controversial. I don't. I kind of don't give a shit what people think. I understand what he's saying. I get it. I, I totally get it. I, I'm I'm in the process of assembling information to write a book, and in one of the chapters of the book, it's 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 uh, it stems from a story that uh, uh, I was involved in outside of an emergency room. And the name of the chapter is going to be "Look, Just Buy Him Cigarettes." Um, I get where this guy is coming from. I don't say I'm not saying that to say that it was founded. <clears throat> I'm not saying that the sheriff was following him because he was black. I'm not trying to lend credence to that. I am saying that our media, our mainstream media has driven this guy to believe that he was being followed simply because he was black, that he's not taking any responsibility for the totality of the circumstance that he's creeping through a neighborhood at two in the morning. He's seeing himself as the newspaper delivery driver. He's not seeing himself as the car with its lights out driving around at two in the morning in a place that had been hit with package thefts previously. So I get where he's coming from in a sense. And this point of the conversation right here where he's leaning against the bumper, it, in my opinion, in my attempt would be this is where I would put my hand on his shoulder and say, I need you to calm down. Just look at me. I'm going to be honest with you. Just calm down and we'll get this whole thing straightened out. This would be like a plea to look him in the eye, to have him look me in the eye so we can make some type of connection, have a bond, have a moment where I can get him to kind of just chill out for a second so he can start listening to what we're trying to tell him. That this is not about black, 
This is not, this isn't anything about any of that. This is about suspicious activity and suspicious behavior. That's it. And if he's not going to listen to that, then you got to try something else. Do you have a different take on this? You know, uh, what's funny about community policing and uh, corrections is that uh, even in a correctional environment where everyone's a convicted felon, you will still have this exact interaction where someone's up to something or they're not, but they don't want to deal with you as the authority figure, the police officer, the correctional officer, and they immediately play this card. Now, I was a correctional officer a long time ago before the George Floyd era and even, you know, before Ferguson and all this. But if someone wants to put you on the defensive and make you question what you're doing and make you hesitate, this is exactly how they go about it. I'm guessing if Eric Tanzi was breaking down this video, he would say, look at these cops, that they're being timid. You know, they're they're trying not to run afoul of the guy. They're trying not to upset him, which is good policing. But, you know, you have to wonder, like like you said, you know, putting a hand on his shoulder. Uh, he says he's got a knife in his car. He could, could still produce a weapon at, at any point. And that would be the case, certainly in prison, too. But the main game that he's playing is uh, it's going on everywhere. It's going on everywhere in society when someone is getting checked on their behavior and they don't want to, whether they're doing anything right or wrong. They just simply don't want to be under anyone else's authority. To play this card. Being a racist is the worst thing that you can be in our society, and it requires the least amount of proof. Somebody says it, and just the stigma is already attached. Doesn't even matter what the facts are, doesn't what the reality is, doesn't matter what's in your heart, doesn't matter who your family is at home. Somebody like this says something, it's on camera, they keep playing it. You're pulling me over because I'm black, you're shaking me down because I'm this person. We saw it all the time. It's just a tactic to make someone in authority hesitate, to make them want to discontinue. Honestly, it's uh, I can remember this. I can remember inmates that I didn't want to deal with who I knew were going to play the race card on me. And it was entirely dissuasive because I had the option. I can engage them and enforce the rule and go through just a big headache, a big yelling match like what these guys are going through right now, or I can ignore it. And that, that's part of the game that he's playing right now. He wants to play this game that, hey, I know you don't have anything on me because I'm not doing anything wrong. So I'm going to make a big a headache for you as possible so that you leave me alone. Maybe the next time when I'm not doing anything wrong, but maybe the next time when I am. And that's the game going on. It's a big psychology game. It's to dissuade police from intervening right now and whatever's going on and to intervene in the future and dissuade police from being proact proactive. I, I have I, I, I definitely take your point. I have a different understanding or a different take on it. And and you, you have different experiences than I do. I, I'm seeing I'm seeing exactly what you're seeing. Let's not let's be clear because you can see how his attitude is here. And then when you watch a news clip, you, you know, it's when the tears are pouring out of his eyes and he's saying that he was profiled and that, you know, all of a sudden he's a victim. But there is a fight or flight response in every human being. It's the way it's going to go. It's fight or flight. And this is his fight. His fight is I'm going straight to what I've been programmed to believe, which is in America, specifically in the Pacific Northwest, I can't drive a car at night because I'm black. It's the same, like I've mentioned it, maybe I'm not on this show, maybe on another show. It's the same, um, uh, like I, I had to review a complaint on a deputy who wrote a ticket for the window tint being too dark, but the lady claimed that she was pulled over because she was black. 
and never saw the irony. The irony was he couldn't see her in the car. That's why he pulled her over. He didn't pull her over because she's black. He couldn't see her. The tent was too dark. So, yes, it is an automatic defense mechanism for a lot of people to go to. It may, it may be disingenuous in a lot of cases. It also may be a fight or flight in some cases, in my opinion. And I don't know what this guy is exhibiting here. I'm not concerned about the knife in his car, to be honest, because he told me about it. Generally, people that are going to produce a knife are just going to produce a knife and stab you with it. So <clears throat> that might, that all I'm saying is this is a moment and, and I'm, and I'm, listen, I'm not knocking what these officers did. One officer is just trying to take the soft, gentle approach, trying to communicate with this guy. And then you'll see what he tells him in a second. Then the other officer is just like, he's on seven or eight. He's on high alert. And I, I don't know what the, uh, what the other circumstances were for him to be on that high alert. I'm glad somebody out there is, you know, employing the contact cover concept. But um, every time he projects this, you know, keep your hands on the wheel, it's going to re, it's just going to re. Um, it it ramps him up. Yeah. Ramps him up. I, I can't, you know, I don't, I can't think of the proper word, but let's watch a little more of it. How about that? Nothing, if officer. Just, what are we here for? With... What are we here for? Search my That's, car. There's fucking not... newspapers. This is the second time this shit happened to me. What's your first answer? Fuck Cedric, all time. Okay, Cedric. Okay, we just got a call saying that I'm in danger. Ooh, that's a fucking lie. Now what? What happens to him? He's lying. That's what we're here. He's lying. Okay. So what happens to him? Was there any? What happens to a liar? We will figure that out. To get four cops here. How many cops cars are here? Cedric. Cedric. For a newspaper carrier. Cedric. I don't need to talk. It's not make no fucking sense. I'm not under arrest, right? You're not under arrest. Okay, I can no, go, right? No, you're not free to go either. Why Stay can't open. I go? Because we're I'm not under arrest. Who's the sergeant? Who's the sergeant, the sergeant around here? His way, okay? Thank you. Sit, Please, sit, I'm not Cedric, under arrest, right? Cedric, I'm, I'm going back to work, right? No, you're, no, you're not leaving right now, but you're not under arrest, okay? Do you want me to put you in handcuffs? This is dumb. Right now, I'm Ooh, just... you're going to put me in handcuffs for what? Cedric. Because I'm talking? Right now I'm just talking to you man-to-man, -man, trying to figure out what's going on, okay? It's not a man-to-man -man conversation. We'll talk to him. The, the one's so in danger. He's in how, danger. I got weapons. Cedric, I got weapons. Do you see how calm I'm I am? I'm throw a fucking newspaper out. Do you see how calm I am? I pulled into his driveway? If I pulled into your driveway, I'm obviously your carrier. Cedric, <laughs> just talk to me for a little bit, okay? There's nothing to talk about. Okay. There's nothing to talk about. Did you guys have any verbal altercation? He's following me. Okay. I walked up to his car because he came around the block again for the third time. I approached him. Why are you following me? Okay. Because I'm a black male in a white neighborhood? Oh, where are you at? I'm on the north end. See, oh, you don't that, know that, where you're at? My wife is black. I don't care. That's all we're trying to get to is what happened between you guys that made him call I us. am working. I am driving a bucket and I'm in a nice neighborhood. I'm working. I'm over here every night. I see you guys every night. Nobody messes with me. But a car that sees a bucket in the neighborhood on the wrong side of the street, throwing a paper out the fucking window, he's okay. suspicious. Oh, he pulls up to another house. He's going to steal a fucking Amazon package off that porch. Check my car. I got 15 Amazon packages in the trunk. Cedric, I'm not saying you're stealing anything. He's not saying you're stealing anything. He just said there was an altercation. That's why we're here. Okay? The you guys can be doing so much. You guys said, one officer. Oh, you're okay. following a newspaper carrier. 
I'm gonna be 100% honest with you. The reason there's so many cops here is because he's the he's the sheriff. I'm up who said that he got. I know who okay. he is. I know who said, exactly who, who he is. Someone threatened his life. You have no clue who you are. The okay, sheriff he's here. threatened. Okay. He's so threatened. Okay. I knew he was a fucking cop. So I'm over here every night, six okay. days a week. Where would home, please? He's not our guy. Okay. Thank you. So we're totally different entities. We're just trying to figure out what's going on. That's why there's so many people here. Okay. Okay. Right, you're, you're not in handcuffs, you're not in trouble right now. I know I'm not in trouble. Yeah. I am working. But until we figure everything out, make sure everything's covered, okay? There's such... You have to talk to him. You don't talk to him. It's a big investigation. You see the leave? Everybody needs to leave. You guys need to walk, walk him home. Follow him home. He needs help. He needs assistance. I'm, I, I got 200 fucking papers. I'm not worried about him. I'm trying to get home. Fuck, I got formula in the car. I'm supposed to be home by 3.30. You guys are slowing me down. Did you ever threaten any sort of violence? No! Okay. What am I threatening them for? That's I feel threatened. I'm followed. Did Just because make, I walked up on them, I threatened make them? make any threats to you? Nobody made no threats. Okay. That's a lie. If I made a threat, I'll tell you. But I didn't. I didn't even go to him angry. I just wanted to know why he was following me. Okay. That's, a, That's simple. So, what this looks like is a big, big case of mis misunderstanding, okay? He thinks you're doing something, you think he's doing something, okay? Because out. I didn't answer none of his questions, he says he's in danger. You're a sheriff! You're so in danger! That's dumb as hell! You're not gonna help your cause getting out of here without him getting pissed off, okay? What, you gonna arrest me because he lied? No, I'm just, ask, I'm just asking you to just not yell at him, okay? Alright? You see me pull up to how many houses? How many packages did I, I steal? I know you're a paper delivery, okay? so many paper delivery people because yes <laughs> it is weird when we see them in the middle of night going from house to house and people always call you guys in right you always have cops drive by you sometimes you get pulled over sometimes you don't once you realize oh you're just pulling papers let you do your job okay obviously you didn't realize that you were doing your job okay papers bags hanging in the window how do you not see that no tenants i'm not hiding nothing front windows are clearly down all right, so the casual observer thinks, how can you not know I'm a paper boy? And to the person that's protecting their home is like, how can I know that you're a paper boy? <laughs> you're driving with your lights out. You're pulling into different driveways. The sheriff even made reference to something about a uh, garage door clicker. There, there are, that, that it, it does happen with serial burglars at night. They, um, they'll, there's a, um, a remote that can open several different types of garage doors and you know people go in and steal cars there are also uh people that'll go in and unlock cars in the driveway by the way a huge problem here in florida people go in the unlocked car uh say they go into the unlocked uh um uh, jeep in the driveway they pull out the garage door opener they open the garage now they've got free access to the house and to the garage uh generally they don't want to alarm anybody in the house because they don't want to get caught but it also gives them uh you know the other thing that people do is they leave their key fob in the in the uh in the car so you can just get in and start it or they leave the key fob of the car that's parked next to them in the driveway in the other car so you go in there you open the ford and you see a chevy key fob you look over and there's a chevy in the driveway guess what you got the key fob for it now and they steal the car. So, I mean, none of this is like out of the ordinary. It is to an average citizen who's just 
like throwing newspapers for a living and who probably doesn't want to be out there at two 30 in the morning, but he, he wasn't at least he wasn't having it at first. At least he's starting to listen now, but as you can see, or, uh, you know, as the story goes on, he, he definitely turns into a victim. I, I think the guy's got a chip on his shoulder, hence the confrontation to begin with, you know, uh, him, you know, he's getting out of his car and confronting this guy. So, you know, I think he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, but I guess I want to commend that officer with doing a great job with de-escalating him because the guy's, he's at a 10 to start with, and then you can hear him. He tells his story over and over again. And every time he cycles, he kind of calms down a little bit, gives him a chance to vent. And then finally, you know, the guy is regaining a psychological equilibrium and the officer is able to say like, I think this is a big misunderstanding. You know, and you can move to the point where you say you want to be understood. He wants to be understood. But ultimately, what I don't see is, although this is a misunderstanding and this guy is the emotion that he's probably feeling biggest right now is embarrassment that there's all these police officers surrounding him. Um, I don't know how this uh, equates to five million dollars in damages. I, you know, I, I don't I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't understand how the other end of this uh, the other end of this engagement the sheriff at one point was facing a hundred thousand dollars worth of bond because this guy was in a danger from the sheriff. Yeah, I, I can. I wish I could pull. I, I had that. I found the clip of the. See, it wasn't the judge. It wasn't the trial judge that issued the hundred thousand dollar bond. There was a separate issue. There, the, this trial judge actually was involved in a hearing, which I'm going to show you in a second. But um, this judge, it was a female. She excoriated. She just went nuts on. Uh, on the sheriff he was uh, appearing by zoom and apparently I, I think what happened was maybe uh some surveillance was established on this guy to you know get some dirt on him something happened he felt that he was being harassed so he makes this big complaint to the prosecutors because the sheriff is already under you know the charges or whatever he makes his complaint to the prosecutors prosecutors call for a bond and this judge goes crazy on him saying, you, you should know better. And, you know, obviously he's threatened by you. And, um, you know, it's never the other way around. Like the, the bad guys don't ever kill cops. So uh, cops always kill bad guys. So um, he, th this is the trial judge here, though. And this is a very heated exchange between the defense attorneys and the judge. And uh, I was I was kind of uh, impressed with the defense attorneys on these on this one. The court trust Mr. Troyer to not violate any court orders. That question was at the center of a hearing involving Pierce County Sheriff Ed Troyer in Pierce County Superior Court. Troyer was back in court today to hear a motion to revoke his conditions of release. You may remember the state attorney general's office had charged Troyer with two misdemeanors, including falsifying a report after an altercation with newspaper carrier Cedric Alzheimer last year. That's when Troyer called 911 saying his life was in danger but then recanted. And he knows who I am and he threatened to kill me. As part of that case, Troyer was ordered not to contact Alzheimer. But in today's hearing, the judge said an alleged interaction with Alzheimer in April was part of a pattern of intimidation. The judge commented that Troyer's position in the sheriff's department makes him one of the most powerful people in Pierce County. Given Troyer's past behavior, the judge contemplated how safe Alzheimer could be from Sheriff Troyer. Mr. Troyer's decision to repeatedly violate this court's conditions of release and to unlawfully harass Mr. Alzheimer present what the court sees as a high potential for lethality. Mr. Alzheimer may not be safe given the record presented in this court. Towards the end of the hearing, Troyer was almost put in handcuffs. 
The judge ordered that Troyer be taken into custody until he posted bail of $100,000. Troyer's attorney argued that putting Troyer into custody was nothing short of humiliation and demanded that Troyer gets time to post bail. It's not about the $100,000 because if that's all it was, posting it satisfies the court's concern. What you're looking to do is a perp walk. That's what you're attempting to do here. And there's no place in the judicial system for that. That is what you are looking to do. You're looking to humiliate him, and there's nothing in the court rules or case law that says that's appropriate. Now, according to the court documents that was put out today, in addition to the $100,000 bail, Troyer is also forbidden from getting within 1,000 feet of Alzheimer, both at his residence and his workplace. Troyer is also forbidden from putting Alzheimer under any kind of surveillance. Now, the trial set for uh, and Troyer is set to begin on October 31st. But for now, we're live in Tacoma. Lionel Donovan. So that was a clip from King 5 News. We're just using that for educational purposes. But uh, so, you know, the judge was pissed and felt that um, the sheriff was uh, using his uh, powers to intimidate and and ironically was going to have him carried away in handcuffs and make him post $100,000 bail, which is a form of intimidation, is it not? I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing. So um, in my opinion, anyway. Well, he just got out there and said, like, uh, the, the elected official, the sheriff, just said uh, that uh, basically, uh, if, you know, if Cedric's not safe from him, who is safe? I guess the sheriff is someone that's going to go after people and harass them or assault them or what? Like, the judge just basically came out and said, like, you know, we have no confidence in him as a law-abiding citizen, as a good person, or someone who's just not a threat to society. It's just an insane thing for a judge to say. I, I really uh impressed or appalled and like all the worst ways that that even got said and that that attorney that you saw and heard uh vehemently uh arguing against the perp walk and the and the huge amount of bond you know normally you don't see attorneys get that passionate in court i don't know about your experience drew but like everybody's pretty respectful every time i've ever been to court yeah i, I do see a comment here troyer shouldn't have violated the terms of the uh, of his bond uh, and don't be dismissive but was was the term uh that he violated reasonable because that was the crux of the argument that was the crux of this recent argument and the court was just going to flex their muscle it wasn't it wasn't this judge that placed the the uh condition it, it was another judge that excoriated him that, that she was mad because he didn't show up to court to begin with like how dare he not show up and you know when it gets when you get right down to it he, he's looking at this it, it like it's okay for this newspaper carrier to look at this through a racial lens and and scream from the mountaintops that he's being profiled the minute the sheriff says this is a political hit job this is anti-police this is the same stuff that we've been dealing with all of a sudden he's got to follow every single rule i get that we are held to a higher standard if you're following that standard and you still can't you're still meeting all these roadblocks there's an issue there's a bigger issue at play and i think that this was a, the weaponization of the criminal justice system and spoiler alert the judge was found not guilty on both counts 
I mean, the uh, the sheriff was found not guilty on both counts. So does it does it mean that a civil suit's not pending? Is that the five million dollar suit that's still going on? He filed a five million dollar suit. I don't know what at what point, but the the, the sheriff is still the sheriff, and yeah. and he, he did file the five million dollar suit, and he said that um, he was um, um, what uh, that he had to give up his paper route. So he he can't go in the sheriff's neighborhood because it's too traumatizing. Okay. So uh. and again, another another comment here is Troyer did lie about the threat to his life. It isn't fair to Alzheimer, but he didn't lie about that. He said exactly what the guy said to him, and in fact, mm-hmm. he he said he he goes he threatened my life. So as uh, do I have the testimony of the sheriff in here somewhere? The sheriff himself testified in this trial. By the way, it's it's unusual for a defendant to testify, especially in cases like this. And what the sheriff said flat out was, he said he was going to take me out. I yep. did not think that he was going to take me out to dinner. Yep. It's that simple. I mean, like, he wasn't worried about the, whether the guy was able to take him out. It's the fact that the guy said it. And he repeated what the guy said. So then that when it came down to that little detail in the report that the detective said, no, he said he wasn't threatened. Not true. He said it exactly how it was said. You heard it on the phone call. He, he said it there. That's mm-hmm. where they say he lied. Just because the detective didn't write it in the report as, uh, well, he was not, he didn't feel threatened. He wrote it as he said he was not threatened, which is an offensive versus defensive kind of thing. Right. Um, that, that's where they get the criminal charge. That's what they were hanging their hats on. And that's what the jury disagreed with. And the, the, the jury said, not guilty. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think that you know, something like this w- would blow up to be so big, but it, I mean, there you go. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars for two misdemeanor charges. That's something pretty egregious. In the comments, we've got people all over the place. We've got dead legs saying he's pulled over people delivering newspapers before Bosco says both Cedric. He says that he's sides with Cedric on this one, thinks the judge is out of line. Uh, folks, if you have good comments, call in and be part of the discussion on that. That's eight, four, eight, com nine, one, one. But it's it's easy to to see all sides of this issue, but you know you got to remember that the sheriff's an elected official. He was pretty popular when he ran in twenty twenty. I think that he won by a pretty big majority there in Pierce County. He's going up. He's eligible for election again in twenty twenty four or twenty uh, later this year. I guess he would take office again in twenty twenty four if he runs again. And so you know the guy can't do his paper route. It's going to be hard to have sympathy for the sheriff, I guess, just because of who the sheriff is or. But what about the sheriff's life? You know, we had his wife up there testifying that she wants it all to end. You know, what is it like when you're a public figure and uh, you're just trying to keep your neighborhood safe and you check on a little suspicion and all of a sudden, you know, you're threatened with uh, by a judge of being a danger to society, having handcuffs thrown on you, a hundred thousand dollar bail. And now this lawsuit, you know, it's uh, it's seems to have just blown completely out of proportion on on all sides. Uh, Joseph Russo asks the, uh, the the captivating question. Imagine doing your job and being harassed and boxed in by a random car in the middle of the night. And I just want to ask Joseph Russo, are you talking about the sheriff or the or the paper boy? Yeah, because the, the, sh- both the sheriff happened. couldn't leave. It, the, the, sheriff the sheriff was just was like, doing his job. <laughs> so uh, obviously we're all split on this. Uh, I, I think what's kind of clear is this. Everybody can scream racism anytime they want 
everybody can scream that there's a thin blue line and we stick up for each other and we protect each other and we cover for each other anytime you want. You can say that all that you want. You just heard a detective on the stand ridicule the sitting sheriff of the county where he works in a municipality. So don't I don't want to hear anything about thin blue line being the uh, the veil that we all operate in, in the cloak that we use to cover for one another. That's a bunch of bullshit. Joseph, so he said at one point do, on the phone that I'm trying to let this guy go and he won't let me go. It, the sheriff was boxed in from leaving. He said that on the on the, on the earlier recording. I've listened to it a couple of times. The sheriff says, I want just want this guy to leave and I'm boxed in and I can't leave. Yeah, there was there was a point where the sheriff called and said that he and I'm not saying you, Joseph, you're you're accusing the the, the, the Drew you're, froze you're talking up there, about the again. I mean, you can go back and listen to it, but the sheriff is calm. Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah. I, uh, are we still on here? Because we are, Drew. Go ahead. OK. Um, no, I'm not accusing you of that, Joseph. I, I'm just saying that uh, and, and I'm glad that you disagree because it spurns the conversation. But. Um, he literally Joseph, we've said seen you here plenty phone... of times. We know that you're not a you're not a troll. In fact, he we said... invite invite disagreement. If you if you don't agree with with me, even me and Drew don't completely agree on this. It's obviously a very polarizing case, and I've I've talked to you plenty of times, Joseph. I know, I know that you're not a troll, but the sheriff did say on the line that um, uh, basically that he was boxed in and he couldn't get out of that situation. Drew, you're back. Go ahead. Thank you. He did. He said he was boxed in initially. He said that uh, the the guy pulled in and uh, he, he said like Drew is on Andrea's bo- internet tonight. I guess a uh, Florida man down there. Someone that, through that through a, the guy boxed him in. I think uh, I'm having severe internet problems. I've got bitten by the Tansy Andrea bug. Yeah. Am I back? You're back, Drew. Um, so. He's facing, you know, trying to consider re-election. He's got this $5 million suit. I guess I just don't see where the $5 million comes from. Yeah, this guy was embarrassed. You could say that, you know, that it was an over-response. But again, a dispatcher thought a police officer was in danger. I think that's the only reason why the police showed up. I think they treated him very kindly. I think that they were professional to him. They explained, like, look, the sheriff's not our boss. We're here to find out what was going on. And ultimately, they let Cedric tell his side of the story. And what ended up happening? They let Cedric leave the scene so he could go back to work, which was super important to him. And he comes back to the sheriff's house later and continues to antagonize the situation. He, you could say whatever you want about Cedric. You can also say that he's not very smart because he didn't he didn't play the situation with the cop smart. If he had just said, whoa, I'm scared of that guy and I'm a newspaper man, you know, and not been so confrontational, he probably would have been out of there a lot faster. And if he had never come back to the sheriff's house later to throw that newspaper at his house, I bet a lot of the stuff that happened afterwards wouldn't have happened either. That's why I say that's that's an important detail. I mean, they're dismissive of it and they're kind of calling it like, oh, you know, what a wuss. You know, the guy came back and threw a newspaper. Ooh, big deal. That's a big deal. That that shows the pattern. And, and the guy never got charged. The sheriff did. So, uh, Joseph, please don't. Uh, to get me wrong, I, I'm not attacking you. I, I'm glad that you're bringing these points out. I think that I, I agree on some of the accounts, or I can see where you might misconstrue. Or, but if you watch the news coverage of this, you will see that <clears throat> Cedric has is in a pool of tears every time the camera is on him, and he's saying, "I could have been shot that night. I could have died that night." 
he's not acting like somebody who was scared to death as a victim. He was on the offensive. I do believe that there was some type of fight or flight response that had kicked in, but he wasn't worried about being shot. I, I mean, I, I can't get into his mind, obviously, but that behavior was not somebody who was worried about being shot. Well, case in point two, it went to a jury. The jury got to decide and sheriff was acquitted. So, I mean, we had due process. You could kind of like scoff at that or be cynical about that, but folks, that's the best we got. We gave it to a panel of jurors and they saw more evidence than probably what the news media has. They looked at it all. They listened to everything that you just saw and lots more, I'm sure. And that's the conclusion they came to is that the sheriff was within the rights of his duties to pull this car over and that, uh, you know, that he, he didn't do any, any anything wrong. There was no false report or whatever the, these other misdemeanors were. And I almost wonder, you know, he's trying to keep his political career alive, but what's the recourse for excessive bail? I mean, it almost seems like there's a lawsuit there. Yeah, well, that that goes to the broader issue, too, that I keep saying, like, um, you know, we want criminal justice reform and we want bail reform and we want no cash bail unless it's a cop because we want $100,000 bond. They're a threat to society. We're going to throw them in jail for 21 years for their first offense ever. Um, you know, because they're the most dangerous thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it is a double standard. It's, uh, if you're going to treat, if you're not going to treat this as a law enforcement officer who committed a, 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 a who committed, uh, what you're now deeming as a crime in the, in the process of doing their, you know, in the process of working, basically, how are you going to treat them differently when it comes to sentencing or bond? W what is their danger to society up until that point? They were law enforcement officers. They were protectors of society. So um, I think I think there's a lot to be discussed there. Uh, great points in the chats tonight. I appreciate uh, all of it. I encourage you to go and look at uh, some of this uh, commentary online. Uh, listen, read, look at some of the uh, other um, news stuff that uh that, that that's out there about this case i mean um I, I didn't know anything about this case until i, I came across it uh or until john came across it one uh, whoever it was and um it, it was very interesting that this wasn't widely publicized maybe it was in the in the western part of uh the united states but it certainly never made it over here i don't remember it I yeah I never hear anything where I live, but I also don't really watch the news because it, it uh, you know funny enough about three years ago it started to get really depressing. But if folks out in the Wolfpack, if you see something we missed, if you think there's a critical element of this case that completely changes things, or even if you just think it was a little bit of a lapse of due diligence on our part, if you're uh, listening to this podcast later, call eight four eight com 911 leave us a voicemail keep it under two minutes we'll play it on the show and if you've got a good point to make or even if you just want to be heard we'll play it here uh next week to for you to talk about it's certainly an interesting case with lots of different viewpoints and uh, i love i love stuff that's not clear cut i love stuff where uh you can have both sides right and both sides wrong uh david just gave another 50 dollars, which i just uh, <laughs> Never ceases to amaze me that day. Yeah, that guy's, uh, that guy's, uh, he, this show is brought to you by David. <laughs> so thank you, right. David, uh, for all of your, uh, podcasting needs, uh, see David, because I guess that's what he's in the business of doing is supporting us. We appreciate that, David. Well, 
uh, on behalf of uh, Andrea, who was in the chat tonight from uh, Night Shift, you can watch that show on Tuesdays. Uh, you can watch the new show with uh, White and uh, Eric. Jay Durrell White and Eric. Jay yep. Durrell White and Eric. Uh, it's called Uncuffed. It's uh, two comics going at it, talking about police stories. It's uh, it's funny, funny, funny. Uh, it's for members only. You can also sign up uh, on YouTube uh, to be a member. We hope you do. And um, um, I see my number one fan, Kara Dees. Has, Kara Dees uh, says Kathy Bates is the number one fan. Kathy Bates oh. is in my nightmares a lot lately <laughs> for reasons I'll make clear, uh, possibly at the meetup. Yeah, okay. Uh, protect your legs. So, what, Yeah, no kidding. What's, uh, what are you guys handling tomorrow on uh, Failure Stop the Flagship Show? It, it it is um the weaponization of the of the uh criminal justice system it's it's a lot of stuff like this i i think originally we we're going to talk about uh the trump situation and the trump arrest and and all of that um obviously that didn't happen so but it, it's it's pending like <laughs> the fact that he has to worry about it and the fact that uh so it's not just um it, it's not just uh trump it's it's in general. It, this is a great example, in my opinion, of the weaponization of the criminal justice system. This is to send a message against racism. When the racism was manufactured in this situation. Yeah. Th there is no indication whatsoever that the sheriff used race race as a means to to either profile or harass this guy. In fact, this wasn't even harassment. You, you, you have a right as a taxpayer, let alone as a deputy sheriff, or as the sheriff, not a deputy sheriff. It's you his, have the right to find out what's going on in your neighborhood a, at he, 2 in the he has, morning. He has more than a right. He has an affirmative responsibility. The sheriff cannot be, see like, well, that I have, suspicion, I have reasonable suspicion to believe that there's a crime going on. I'm going to go to bed. The sheriff has an affirmative responsibility to, as, as an elected official to go take care of that crime. That's what he's there for. He, he would have been negligent in his duties to just say, oh, well, whatever he could. You can argue he could have called it indifferently. He could have called it as a citizen. He should have had maybe PD do an extra patrol through the area. But ultimately, he's a cop and he can go take care of those things. And that's completely within his purview. Um, but I like this case because, you know, when you talk about uh, prosecutorial misconduct and the weaponizing of the criminal justice system, and now you mark out, march out a, a person like Donald Trump, there's really no one more, more polarizing in the entire world. And, and you get so caught up in that polarization of whatever you think about Donald Trump that you're actually ignoring the weaponization of the criminal justice system. So instead, we're looking at this sheriff, this Troyer guy, and I would argue that most of us uh, have no opinion on him unless you live in Pierce County or thereabouts. And look, we don't. We have no idea what to think. We see both sides of the issue. We see maybe both sides doing some wrong. Maybe both sides could have done something better. And we both see that, like the judge calling out the sheriff and the excessive bond and all this other stuff. It's judicial activism. It's judges trying to make a name for themselves. I don't know if judges running for election in Pierce County or, or that circuit, but it's certainly an interesting thing to look into. Yeah, it, it just one final word. I I don't care if the guy is an asshole. I, I don't care if the paper carrier is an asshole. There's a reason that Lady Justice behind me here is wearing a blindfold because justice is blind. It doesn't matter their demeanor. It doesn't matter any of this. And you get your day in court. But you kind of have to commit the crime to get a day in court, right? And nobody accused the paper carrier of a crime. Somehow, when the sheriff, who should be entitled to call for help, like any other citizen and any other taxpayer in that county, um, 
he's committed a he's somehow committed a crime i think you're sending the wrong message to people who are you know if we see something say something yeah. uh, go ahead and come go ahead and call but we're going to charge you with a misdemeanor as well, soon as we can change the situation so he's not a sheriff let's say he's a concerned citizen who's made their zeal maybe exceeds their reason okay they're doing something dumb but they want to go get the license plate so they're driving after the car to try to get the license plate which as a dispatcher you would tell them really don't do that um, suppose it had been a private citizen who had gone out there. I just wonder if it would be, you know, obviously not escalating to a $5 million lawsuit because you can't get blood from a stone, but he knows that the sheriff who runs for election probably has some money that he can get in a lawsuit. So there you go. Swap out the situation with your common person and tell me that the common person, again, I guess, you know, that his position as sheriff is, was the reason for the excessive bond or the $100,000 because he's such a powerful person. But you know, suppose it was 50,000. Can, can the common, is that excessive bond for a common person trying to get a license plate? How about 25,000? Like how far did you have to take that down before it was obvious that there was no uh, weaponization of that bond process against whoever that other person against Cedric could have been other than the sheriff. So it's completely yeah. obvious that it's because he's a sheriff. Yeah. All right. Uh, just to, just to finish the uh, roll call, we've got uh, last call of the day, which is usually on uh, Wednesday nights, and that features our good friend here, our call screener, Josh, also known as Dead Lake Media, with Eric Tanzi, having fruitful discussions about anything uh, not uh, pu uh, public safety related, so you don't have to sound like a a-hole or a b-hole on the weekends. And then Thursday night, obviously, is this show, Com Center, uh, where uh, John is uh, a lot smarter and a lot more handsome than I am. And then the Friday flagship show, which will be tomorrow, as we discussed earlier, on the weaponization of the criminal justice system. But all of these turn into podcasts. I would love if you told six people to download the podcast version of any of these shows. You can find them uh, and coming soon to YouTube, by the way. The actual podcast version will be on YouTube uh, as soon as I can get that straightened out. But uh, until then, until next time, thank you for all your super chats. Thank you for your interaction. And um, thank you for being you. And thank you, John, for flexing. That was her Faulknerator. That was just for her. Britt, thanks for being such a great fan. We appreciate everybody in the chats tonight. Yeah. So, guns up, giddy up. We will see you soon, as usual. John, stick, stick around. around. Guns up, giddy up. Good night.